Corvallis is a sleepy town in normal times, but in the past month, Oregon State University saw two unprecedented stories. The Beavers men's basketball team made an incredible run to the Elite Eight, and the school saw its new president resign under extreme pressure. I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with the Oregonian. Up next, the Oregonian and Oregon Live's Jeff Manning talks about the fallout from F. King Alexander's brief tenure in Corvallis and where the state's largest university goes from here. Manning, senior investigative reporter, has been with the Oregonian for 25 years. We talked about Alexander's downfall, what it says about accountability for leaders who don't act decisively when sexual harassment or abuse charges occur under their watch, What's next for OSU and much more? Here's our conversation. Jeff Manning, thanks for taking time to talk today. My pleasure, Andrew. Always good to be here. So, Jeff, who is F. King Alexander and how did he end up at Oregon State University in the first place? F. King Alexander is a uh, a charming, well dressed guy who uh, looks good in a suit and has a charming Southern accent and had worked his way up through the ranks of academia uh, to become president of LSU. And, uh, you know, in the, in the, after Red, Ed Ray, the beloved Ed Ray announced he was going to finally retire as president of OSU, they needed somebody and they found F King and it was uh, in the honeymoon lasted seven months. And you mentioned the beloved Ed Ray. He was president at Oregon State for an astounding 17 years, kind of a rock of stability you don't see in higher education these days. Um, But what exactly brought F. King Alexander uh, down so quickly uh, from from the perch down in Corvallis? Well, it all started with a a newspaper story. USA Today uh, published a really hard-hitting expose of – sexual harassment and worse at uh, LSU, some of it by its staff on the athlete, in the athletic department, some of it by Les Miles, the football coach. Um, and much of this happened before F. King Alexander was there as president. But shortly after he arrived, the then athletic director advised him to fire Les Miles, and he didn't do it. After the newspaper report, LSU commissions an internal report that comes out in early March and it gets uh, it's released publicly and eventually gets into the hands of the OSU trustees and all hell breaks loose. And what exactly was damning in this report as it pertained to Alexander? It was it's it is this report and the reception of the to the report says a lot about where we are as a society and the changing views, I think, of uh, sexual harassment and misconduct and abuse and violence. Nowhere is F. King Alexander accused of doing anything untoward with women, as far as I know. But he he was there, and he he by today's standards didn't do enough, and he probably didn't do enough. Certainly, when the athletic director comes to you, and you're new on campus. And he tells you, this guy is bad news. He's a, he's a disaster waiting to happen. Got I don't care what his record is. We need to get rid of him. And you don't. It makes you wonder, what was he thinking? And this is, uh, to be clear, this is Louisiana State University. This is one of the most storied 
football programs in the country. Um, you know, this is uh, for the athletic di- director to recommend firing a coach of that stature at that program. Um, that's that's a big deal. It was uh, it was a big deal. I mean, this is SEC football after all, and Miles was a winner. But there was ample reason to get rid of him, and it took F. King Alexander years to come to grips with that. Um, and so, flash forward um, now, it appears that. People were not aware the trustees who, you know, are appointed by the governor and um, are tasked with overseeing the university. They were not aware of of Mr. Miles's behavior or uh, Mr. Alexander's handling of it. It's a great question of who knew what when. Uh, you know, we know that he started at OSU in uh, July of 2020. The newspaper story came out in November. And the uh, independent report commissioned by LSU on the same topic came out in uh, early March. And that, we know, got into the hands of the trustees. How that whole mess managed to elude the crack headhunting firm hired by OSU to find just the right guy remains an unanswered question. And I'm, I'm, I am I'm know a lot of people on that board are dying to know. They paid that firm at least $155,000. And uh, wow, what a result. Yeah, and we can get into some of the how it all went down in a minute. But I just want to take a step back, Jeff. I mean, you've written about higher ed for a, quite a while. And we've seen, you know, nationally, recent examples of prominent people um, or leaders at institutions, I think of Michigan State and the Larry Nasser uh, situation there, the horrible situation, or Penn State University. But these are examples where there were, were criminal charges or things that happened um, under someone's watch. But here, you know, Alexander, you know, the, he, he was fired from Oregon State, and this didn't involve actions at or- Oregon State. Um, or he resigned, pardon me, he resigned, but, um, and yet he's still gone. Is this kind of a, a sign of growing accountability for leaders who fail to intervene um, when something uh, like this is happening? Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, it is really, uh, uh, if, if anybody in academia needed it, this was a serious wake-up call that, uh, you know, pleading ignorance or, whatever is probably not going to cut, get a lot of slack. Um, um, you know, I also think that, uh, I, you know, it wasn't too long ago that we had an, uh, a public agency in charge of Oregon colleges, uh, the Oregon university system, and it didn't work. It was inefficient and it had a ton of people working there. Um, and it was the entity that, that generally was in charge of hiring and firing. And so there was this big change. Um, it was, you know, the, the universe, the state leaders decided we're not going to put this in the hands of a bunch of bureaucrats anymore. We're going to hire people from the private sector who know business, who know the bottom line, who know, uh, how to raise money, uh, from, you know, wealthy fat cats. And they're going to use all their smarts to, uh, to hire the right people. And, uh, wow, the track record is not great. Um, and, uh, you know, I, it, 
you know, I, I'm not ready to sort of. I, I know. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry to interject. I, I, I know that uh, Ed Ray was, um, you know, one of the last, if not the last public president in Oregon to support that move back in 2013, 2014. Um, so there's a certain level of irony here that, um, you know, his his university that he led for 17 years where he was worried about the um, political influence here. Uh, well, they they had a, a bad hire and and now they're walking away from it, you know, not even a year after after the trustees made that hire. And, and you know, you need to put it in the perspective of uh, Portland State, which parted ways with its vaunted new private sector selected president, Ramat Shireshi, in 2019. Um, currently, uh, Nagi Naganathan, I think as I pronounce it, the president of Oregon Institute of Technology, uh, in Klamath Falls is uh, in he may be in danger of losing his job. The faculty Senate uh, just voted uh, that he voted in favor of you know a no confidence resolution and uh, it, it's it's a it's a really tough job. Lots of masters. you have to have a lot of skills um, and uh, so you and not, you know it's a it's a mix that not many not many people have. So you laid out some of the timeline of, you know, what people knew what, and when they knew it. Um, you know, the, the investigative report came out last year. But how did this go down in terms of um, the trustees decision and uh, down in Corvallis? Ultimately, I guess, what did they choose to do first and and how was that received uh, in terms of um, punishment for for Alexander? How was that received from students and and the Corvallis community um the uh the first big board meeting was preceded by a, a long public session where anybody who wanted to could sound off and uh man I didn't listen to all of it but the people I heard were so angry and uh some of them were you know crying and screaming uh up on the stand, um, I think it became clear that uh, whatever the trustees felt, the, the people on campus who had lived through their own horrific inc- uh, incidents or new friends uh, who's, who have gone through it, um, they were they were so. Um, what am I trying to say? They were so angry going into that meeting about the university's handling of any number of issues that they were ready to just explode. And so, you know, ultimately it felt like reading the tea leaves from the outside that, um, that he didn't have a a chance of holding on, but yet he was spared, right? Initially there's a probationary period of, of that the, the trustees opted to select and that, that seemed to, do nothing to to uh, tamp down the outrage. Well, uh, you're right. They they put him on probation. Uh, there were there was a sentiment among the board, especially among the older members of the board, that you know this is not fair to this guy just to you know fire him right now. We need to figure out some sort of halfway measure. Um, 
because it's just not fair. And others were like, are you out of your mind? I mean, what, what do you need to hear before you're going to make the decision? And um, what we learned was that uh, in, in addition to all the powerful testimony on the day of the meeting, the night before the meeting, there was this high-level uh, delegation of deans who went to some senior members of the board of trustees and said, um, this is really bad. Uh, you need to, we need to make a change. You need to act now. And I know that was very influential with some of the trustees, but, uh, it wasn't influential enough. Uh, and, uh, so they put on probation for more than two months. Uh, and what, and they, they expected some sort of action plan from Alexander in the meantime about how he was going to get enlightened and, um, and, you know, institute some programs on campus and, and the board was going to commission its own independent study, uh, which, I mean, boy, how many studies have we, has between LSU and OSU, how many independent research projects do we need? <laughs> um, but anyway, um, uh, they put him on probation. And the thing that's most amazing to me about that was um, before they went into executive session on that Wednesday, they the public was sort of dismissed and the board members grilled Alexander. And um, you, you could tell that some of them were throwing softballs at Alexander because they wanted him to say the right thing that, wow, I really screwed up. I am tremendously saddened by my failure to recognize the importance of this. And I salute everybody who has testified here and I get it now. And he just never did that. He never did the really thorough mea culpa that the board wanted. And I, you know, I remember, to, you know, texting my boss at that point that, wow, he is not doing himself any favors here. I mean, there was one moment where he said about his stint at LSU that I had other things to do. I was fighting the battle of the budget in Baton Rouge and telling the board at that point that you had better things to do than worry about sexual harassment and misconduct. Really bad answer. Um, and so ultimately, do we have a sense of after they, they go for this probationary period, um, what, for, what, what changed the equation? Do we know what changed the equation to lead, um, to Alexander ultimately submitting his resignation? You know, that was the multi-million dollar question there for a while. Uh, everybody, exp I thought that they had found something out, something else about his past. Uh, there was some talk that they had found something about his stint at Long Beach State that was going to be really embarrassing. But uh, in the end, I think it was more mundane than that. It was just a sort of cumulative loss of confidence. Um, you know, after they had that meeting, the, fac the faculty senate um, just in a huge overwhelming majority uh, issued issued a vote of no confidence. The numbers came out and it, it was, it was just uh, amazing. The, the tiny level of support that Alexander had. And uh, so 
I, we, we all were hoping for a more dramatic smoking gun, but uh, uh, I don't think there is one. Well, let's take a break and come back and talk a bit more with Jeff Manning, investigative reporter for The Oregonian and Oregon Live. Jeff, you've written a lot about higher ed, um, either for-profit college scandals or Concordia University's implosion or some of the PSU stories we mentioned earlier, Ramat Shureshi's um, rocky tenure or the you know $100 million gift that wasn't <laughs> to the foundation there on the park box. But how does this uh, Oregon State uh, University saga fit into that picture for you? I think that Oregon State University uh, under Ed Ray was, he, he was expanding that university into other campuses. Uh, and it was fairly impressive. And I think he said a lot of all the right things. And I think he meant it. I went to his, one of his four farewell lunches in, uh, at the convention center in Portland. And, uh, he, you know, I mean, he didn't have anything to lose at that point, but he was saying the cost of college is ridiculous. It's really making life difficult for students and parents. And it, we got to find a solution. And he said, college has become such a pressure cooker. It is really damaging the mental health of students. Those are, those are not popular sentiments of a higher education of a university president. They, I kept on hearing the, the phrase in those trustee meetings, emotional intelligence. He knew what was, what mattered to people. He could suss that out with people and he could tap right into it. And I don't mean in a manipulative way. I mean in a in a really, for the most part, genuine way. So he was a really tough act to follow, and um, you know, it is it is. Uh, if there is something, is there something in common between all these presidents who are getting the boot or are in danger of getting the boot? I think colleges are really difficult places right now between falling admissions and the rising cost of everything. It is just a, a formula for disaster, and it's a really hard job. Jeff, what's this story ultimately about to you? Is just a example of poor poor hiring practice and not doing your due diligence, or kind of the wave of as we talked about earlier, the you know reckoning that you know sexual harassment is a is a real thing that you must take seriously if you're in charge or or both i mean what what do you think this is ultimately about you know i think i think you nailed it really i think this was about uh the society's changing viewpoints of uh, sexual harassment and misconduct um what was once seen as uh, shucks a good old boys problem uh, let's uh let's not go there has become and rightfully so, has become a instantly firing offense. And uh, Alexander was just way slow to, to to get a clue about that. He, you know, OSU was the OSU has had its problems. You know, they had the Brenda Tracy, awful Brenda Tracy incident, and uh, uh, you know, it was a place where the incoming president should have been really aware of that legacy. And, 
clearly Alexander wasn't, um, wasn't, you know, and I, I, to this day, I don't know if that's a reflection of his ignorance or, or his willful sort of, um, minim, minimizing the, the, the sin. Um, but you know, the, it's also a reflection, I think, of the difficulty of being a board member. Everything you do is under incredible scrutiny. And, uh, you know, you're a volunteer for the most part. I mean, that's not true in the private sector, but it certainly is true in the public. And uh, it was a tough thing for those trustees to come to, to admit, for one thing, that uh, they had made a horrific mistake. And... Uh, I don't envy them. It's a tough job. Glad you mentioned Brenda Tracy. She's obviously uh, a sexual assault survivor who, um, you know, is a national name who uh, goes around to professional and collegiate programs and universities around the country. And, um, and yeah, that's right there, you know, in our backyard here. So where does Oregon State go from here, Jeff? What's the next steps and who's going to, you know, what's the timeline in finding a, a new leader to lead the university? It remains to be seen whether they're going to go the PSU route where they hired Steve Percy as sort of a caretaker president, a guy who was a guy that an insider that everybody was fond of and respected, but was not seen as this, you know, dramatic change agent. Uh, after Ramat Shireshi, they'd had enough of dynamic change agents at PSU. I think that uh, given the given the makeup of that board, they're they're a very high level group, very ambitious, and uh, they will they will not choose a caretaker. I don't know. They've appointed the provost to be interim president, and I don't think that's going to be a long term thing. You know, one thing that I haven't mentioned that I think I should is uh, there is a there are a couple of trustees who I think. They were. They showed a lot of guts and a lot of courage. They came out in that first meeting and said, "Why are we waiting? We need to act now. There, there is more than enough evidence now. We got to make that move. It's going to hurt whenever we do it. Let's do it now for the good of the student body." And uh, and it, it couldn't have been easy. They were. They were ignored by the rest of the board, but uh, it didn't take long for the rest of the board to come around and realize they were exactly right. Yeah, and uh, we should note that, that you know there's some big names on the board, right? Uh, Julia Brim Edwards, the Nike executive, Portland um, Public School board member, uh, Lamar Hurd, the former Beaver uh, basketball star and Trailblazers announcer. Um, you know, there there are people who were well known. There, yeah, they're a very high-level group, and uh, it was fascinating to, uh, on the second meeting, when they finally got rid of him, um, they went to each board member, and uh, Lamar Hurd couldn't, couldn't compose himself. He was crying, and he couldn't get a word out. He was so shook up, and he just, he, he felt terrible, and he wanted to apologize. And he was weeping, and it lasted a long time, and it was a, a really incredible show of emotion, and I think just a matter of how much, an illustration of how much they care about the place. 
And I think it might be worth noting to close. I mean, just the juxtaposition, Jeff, between this whole thing playing out sort of in the background. Obviously, it's a super important story in academia and in the fate of this huge institution. But uh, to stick with Lamar Hurd, I mean, the, the Beaver basketball program is the highest of highs during during this time. Um, Wayne Tinkle and, and his squad making it to the Elite Eight. Um, you know, it was just very bizarre that these two things were happening at the same time. You know, uh, if those trustees, I'm, and I'm sure they were, I'm sure they were dying to, you know, give a shout out to Tinkle and Ethan Thompson and all those guys, but they didn't. It was never mentioned. No one sort of like screamed out at Go Beeves at any time. Well, that's. It would have been awkward timing, but um, it would have been, yeah, it, it is It is an interesting story regardless. Well, thank you for covering, uh, covering this for us and taking time to talk about it. Sure. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Beat Check with your Oregonian. If you like this show, please leave us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It helps other listeners find the program. The best way to support our journalism is with a subscription to Oregon Live. You can do that at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Until next time.